0: Hello everybody, it's me Roscoe and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast covering all things Ipswich Town and um, another win on the weekend for town. Four straight wins and uh, as you can hear, it's Roscoe in the hot seat. Hefe is on his holly bobs, so um, you've got me once again, but I'm joined by two fine gentlemen and Alex Jones and good old Stuart Watson. Uh, Hefe's away, so Stu is in charge of the young guns. Stu, come in my friend, how are you? always good to see you
1: thank you yeah the first thing my um my dictatorship is gonna decree is that the word holly bobs is absolutely banned if i hear that again uh you will be out of employment by the time mark heath returns
0: that's fair enough. Um, I, did, I did think that could be the case. Um, so yeah, I, I will take that away for the rest of my notes for this podcast. Um, but yeah, Heathie, hope you have a good rest of your holiday. Uh, well, it's just started his holiday, so <laughs> not the rest of his holiday, his whole holiday. I'm sure he's listening um, in the Maldives, by the way, if you want to know. So enjoy that. AJ, come in, my friend. You're back from half term. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're, you're still you know, having to do half term. But uh, yeah, you're
2: good. Yeah, yeah, we've already had that joke last week. As Mark said, had, I'm used to having half-term offers. I've only just finished school myself, so I assume that means that Mark's retirement home is planned like a cruise <laughs> away or something like that. Uh, and that's why he can't be here. But yes, I have only just returned to my first podcast back, first one in a while, um, but managed to catch up on, on the ones that I've missed and had a, a nice breather. And I'm slightly concerned that I've come back and Stu's now putting bans on certain words. I, I'm worried that if he comes in with like, all, and all that, a shout out too. I'm worried that Ross might be sent some sort of like I'm done labor mine something all that like jazz. that. Jazz, good yeah, old be my the friend. End of it. So yeah. um, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks for Ross. Let's see what other uh, uh, bands get put on. But yes, had a had a nice breather, a nice break, and good to be back. Good to hear, my friends. Now I'm sure I'm sure Stu, he enjoys my some of my phrases.
0: He, sometimes he just just laughs just because I oh here he goes again. It wouldn't, so, yeah. you
1: wouldn't be you, Ross, without without all your various mannerisms. Uh, all that jazz <laughs> very much is here to stay. I'll allow that. Holly Bob's not so much. Yeah, I don't know why I brought it out. I just thought it was
0: funny. Um, and apparently it wasn't funny. So we're <laughs> going to move on from that straight away. Um, and we're going to talk about another town win, ladies and gentlemen. 3-1 win against Birmingham City. Let's hear from K-Mac, K-Dog. Kieran McKenna on the win. I think Steele will probably ban K-Dog as well um, for Kieran McKenna. So let's play and let's see what he had to say. It
1: probably three points, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, I thought it was a really good performance, I have to say. I, I enjoyed it and I was pleased with you know, almost all aspects, really. I thought we were, were really good off the ball, aggressive against a good footballing team. Didn't really give them any very, very few opportunities to grow any sort of confidence in the game. Um, we attacked well, had a threat through the game, but also found control in the right moments, had control in and appropriately patient second half. and um, Physically, we looked good. We looked like we recovered well from the Tuesday night game. We looked fit and fresh, and, and I thought our mentality was excellent. One, the approach to the game, but probably two, especially the, the response to what could have been a big setback just before half-time after such a good first-half performance to win at 1-1, but we, we bounced back really well. So, um, yeah, holding all the... A really good performance. They deserved three points and um, a good day.
0: Well, this was Town Manager. enjoyed that. Uh, Stu, opening thoughts on the win? Uh, yeah, another win for
1: Town. Uh, very, very good. I'd put that up there in terms of poor performances this season because of the fact of what it came off the back of, the Rotherham game. We all came away from that going, looked a bit tired. Leggy, fatigued in the in the second half, a little bit of edginess had crept into the home crowd. Could they go again for what was a fifth game in fifteen days? Um, yes, was the answer to that. They, um, you know, any fears that that was a game that frustration could build, and there was a, a potential for that to happen after the equaliser as well. Um, you know, was was dealt with so. Um, yeah, a lot to like about the form, the performance, as as the managers just said there. The way they started on the front foot, the way they responded to to getting pegged back, the way they didn't panic as the second half went on. Uh, so, yeah, four straight wins for I think the fourth time this season in the league. Um, remarkable, and we'll come on to kind of points totals and the table and all that later on, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, um, enjoyed that, liked it, lot to like.
0: Yeah, AJ, major return. Um, town, of course, have won at Millwall, Swansea, oh, although you're at Millwall, so ignore that bit. Swansea, I obviously. Millwall. And you're at Swansea as well. Um, Rotherham. So,
2: yeah, just Rotherham you missed. But, yeah, mm. opening thoughts on the win. Got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, do you remember there was this kind of run of home games, mostly pretty much throughout the, the start of the season, but mainly kind of that October, November time where... Home games, I I kind of just felt more than anything, were really, really enjoyable. Would usually be those kind of 3-1, 4-2, sometimes you're on 4-3, but they would be really entertaining, really kind of quite open games that are just a lot of fun to watch. And I felt like this was one of those that felt very similar to an early season game for Ipswich, which I really enjoyed. Um, I think overall now, across this season, there have been, on average, 4.18 goals per game at Portman Road which is, I love it. That's great. Um, I don't know how that compares to the rest of the league, but that's not that town has scored. That is just goals overall. But it, it's that's the thing. It's, it's entertaining games as well. And this is one where um, the performance was really good and the way that they were playing, the way that they tried to take the game to Birmingham. But also there was quite a lot just about it in general, which I really enjoyed. And the fact that Birmingham squared it up, it dragged on quite late. It felt like they really had to work for it and and they kind of had to break down quite a stubborn defence going into the final 10 minutes. And it, it just made it quite a dramatic game, an entertaining watch, one where you're not sitting going into the final 10 minutes thinking it's all wrapped up and that's, that's that. Um, so maybe from a town perspective, <laughs> that's not how you want it. Maybe you want it all done and dusted at halftime and you can knock it around in the second half as we have seen occasionally in games like... Uh, the Millwall one, for example. But I just enjoyed it, basically. And um, I think off the back of what sounded like quite a, um unusual performance against Rotherham, it was exactly what they needed as well.
0: Yeah, you're getting definitely getting your money's worth, ladies and gentlemen, at Portland Road, because goals are plenty um, and Different different score different scorelines. Um, but yeah, Stu, shall we talk about the, the opening um, stages? Lots of chances. Obviously, there was a few changes as well. Um, yeah, take it away, my friend.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much the team I think we were we were talking about, wasn't it, going into it? Uh Luongo back in for Travis, Broadhead back in for Sarmiento, um what was the th- it? there was a the third shirt. Ch- Twan Zabi in at uh, right back. We weren't sure whether it sounded like Harry Clark was the the biggest doubt going into it with that severe dead leg that he came off with against Rotherham. So Axel came in for him and we'll come on to Axel in a bit, I think. But um, that first 20 minutes, it was vital that Ipswich kind of set the tone um, after everything that I've just discussed from, from the Rotherham game. And they did just that. Those first 20 minutes, front foot, dominant, as Alex says, felt like those kind of early season performances. All that was missing really was that final pass, final cross, final finish. Um, for Moore was probably the most guilty party out of all of those uh, moves sort of ultimately broke down with just, just a slightly heavy touch or just his final shot was a but they were, you know, in terms of the patterns of play, those familiar patterns of play carving through Birmingham, creating opportunities. Connor Chaplin probably um, went closest when he stuck that header from a corner. Again, how does he get completely unmarked to right. to head the ball stooping header on, on the penalty spot with no one around him? Um, just stuck it too close to John Ruddy, unfortunately. Uh, I think the best move was one where haki clips a little pass out from um, from the back. Chaplin takes it on his chest on the halfway line, hooks a ball into the path of Wes Burns down the right. Uh, I think Broadhead's involved and, and ultimately, again, it's just a slightly heavy more touch in the box. But purring over some of the football whips which were playing, um, it just felt... Like they were building towards a goal and, and utterly dominant in those first 20 minutes. And, and that really sort of helped um, take any any kind of uh, hangover from the feelings of, of the, the Rotherham game away from the atmosphere in those first 20 minutes. But obviously, the longer it goes on, you, you kind of think, is it going to be going to be one of those days?
0: Thankfully, they didn't rue those chances, Stu, because uh, Connor Chaplin with a cheeky goal. AJ... When we saw this live, you didn't know how cheeky it was because Sam was takes a shot and then obviously there was a question mark of being offside. But no, he's onside, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. He's very much onside. And uh, yeah, cheeky goal from Connor Chapman. He's 11th for the season.
2: Yeah, I love this. It was just fantastic, I think. I called it just slick, quick. I wanted to use those words, but I, I felt that you can't really use slick, quick and flick all together in a, a match report or something like that. I think Stu went for inventive in his uh, post-match bit, but it was just really good. And there were obviously a, a few kind of offside calls w- within that as well. I mean, the move comes from Mari Hutchinson, gets kind of forced down the right, and there isn't a great deal on for him at that point. But again we'll get on to him i'm sure but his decision making's improved massively instead of trying to hook an aimless cross in or cut back and shoot he cuts back and you see sam morsey on the edge of the box sets him up there the shot is fine it's probably not uh one that was going to cause too much problems but ends up flicking off to Chaplin. and it's to come up with that on the spot and be able to think as the ball's coming towards you You've got you must have so many things going through your head. We spoke about that with the um the Nathan Broadhead goal, I think it was against West Brom. Where when the ball comes to you, it's at that kind of level where what do you do? Do you knee it? Do you kind of chest it? Do you want to head it? It's really difficult. And I feel like with the Chaplin one, when that comes to him, you must have about 10 different things in your mind. Do I control it and take a shot? Do I try and set someone up? Do I try and try to get away from it it it. first time? Do you try and get away from it and and think it's going to go in? And to think on the spot, ah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this kind of cheeky, almost backfield flick to try and get it into the net was just, wow. I mean, it speaks volumes about the kind of player that he is, instinctive in front of goal. Um, Was it offside? The camera angles were terrible. I think from the five or six times I've looked at it, there might be I think the right backs playing him on. It might be Sanderson, someone like that. It's a hard, hard one to see. Um, But Maybe you know what? At the end of the day, this might sound really stupid. Remember that goal that um, Philogene scored against um, Rotherham mm. it was the the tricky one where he did all the, the spins and then did the rabona to get it into the net. And that was originally credited as known goal. And I think people looked at it and was like, "Oh, you it's so good, you can't give that as known goal." And they gave it to him. Maybe you just look at that Colin Chapman and just say, it's "So good, you can't disallow that." So. Um, yeah, a few shouts there, potentially hard camera angles to see, but town won't care. And, and they deserved it for how they started the game as well.
0: And Sam also gets an assist there, Stu, so he'll be happy with that.
1: Yeah, we were discussing actually in the in the press box afterwards whether uh, that should go down as, a, as an assist for me. Absolutely, it's an action that's led directly to a goal. I don't know officially whether that, that goes down, does it? Yeah, Alex is nodding, so um. Yeah, inventive is probably the word. It, uh, instinctive, um, from Connor Chaplin back to goal to have the wherewithal to kind of uh, yeah flick it with the inside of his of his trailing heel back across the goal. Ruddy completely wrong footed, and that came at an important time. We talked about Ipswich dominating the first twenty, then Wes Burns limps off with uh, what we now know to be a calf strain. Um, which was a bit of, you know, was was a blow because he, you know, off the back of two goals and assists against Rotherham, he'd looked like a really good outlet in that in that good start that I've just mentioned. Um, and for the next sort of ten minutes or so, maybe some of that momentum, early momentum, just just went a little bit, and the, just that goal came just at a stage when it felt like Birmingham were threatening um, to get a foothold in the game. So uh, yeah, thirty-one minutes Ipswich get the lead that they deserved um and we're all hoping from there you know go on go on and kick on and um from what we'd seen it felt like they they could go it could be another one of those days where they had a, a second a third and it was a a comfortable afternoon but it, it didn't turn out like that
0: no they weren't the roofless town in that moment um and yeah a big blow AJ before half time Birmingham city equalize
2: yeah I was a little bit disappointed with the way that town reacted to that um going ahead essentially just because we have seen it so much where they get the first and then everything just kind of falls into place and they snap into it a little bit and it was pretty much the opposite that happened here and it was maybe the one frustration that came away i I took away from the performance overall you you don't really think about it or care given the fact that they went and won it but um yeah going in at at 1-1 was a big Frustration, absolutely, because it was not what they deserved at all. They were a the better team. But you could just see they were growing into it, as you said, probably kind of up until that goal. And then they continued to do that afterwards. Um, I didn't really feel like they were knocking the door down. But the move, again, is one where Tam will look back on with frustration just because the defending probably is... Um, not quite at the level that they'd want. I think it's Luongo who loses Miyoshi. Does he need to stay a little bit tighter? He allows a little bit of a gap uh, that lets him go through to the byline, gets through to there, cuts it back to the edge of the area. And it's strange in a way because we always think about the cutbacks as a town speciality, but almost the entire back line gets kind of duped by the fact that he has gone to cut the ball back and not try to flash a a ball across goal. They all get dragged wide, and then opens up the space for Jordan James to fire in a really powerful close-range shot, smacks it in. Um, Celebration. Interesting? I'm not really sure what his plans were in terms of, like, going full-on in front of the town fans. I I didn't really get what, what that was, but fair enough, you know. You do you when you score a goal. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a really disappointing one to concede. And going in at half-time, you're thinking, oh, is this set up for them to frustrate Town after the break? And, and that's also what they tried to do. The nature of the goal that they conceded was was disappointing. But, yeah, they will learn from these kind of setbacks. And it's not really a kind of a usual goal that they've conceded. I can't think of many cutbacks that Town have conceded this season.
0: No, I'll let us know, if you know. Um, Stu, I always ask this question. don't know why I do, but where were you at? Half time, 1-1. Uh, normally, I bump into you in the, the press room to get, get hot chocolate, teas, coffees and stuff. But where were you at when it went 1-1? Town oh, could have been, as I said, 3-0 up, maybe 4-0 up in the first half of those chances. But, you know, going to that second half, where, where was your game plan at? Where do you think McKenna was thinking? Obviously, they want to get a goal back at some stage, but Yeah.
1: Relatively comfortable still. It was the nature and the timing of the goal could have been a, a major blow, but I'd seen enough from that first half performance to know that this was more like the Ipswich of old, that this was a game that suited them more. This wasn't like the reverse fixture with Birmingham playing too up front in the early stages of, of Rooney's management with Oliver Burke hustling and bustling and the direct chaotic games of football that don't suit Ipswich this was um a Tony Mowbray slash Mark Venus Birmingham side with Andre Dizelle trying to play passes in midfield and Jay Stansfield sort of buzzing as the as the lone striker um so it felt like it I'd seen enough from that first half to know that Ipswich had been by far the better side dominated possession created tons more chances and um you know, we know that they're a team that go deep into games. We know that they're a team that, that have impact off the bench. So, um, yeah, I just, it was a case of, and, and a manager that you knew was going to analytically and break it down for them at half time and, and that they're not a team that was would sort of panic um, after conceding that goal. So, yeah, re- relatively sort of confident that they still had plenty of, of time to uh, to get themselves back in front, I'd say.
0: And yeah, AJ, Tan had to be patient. Uh there was a penalty shout early in the f- second half as well. Um, well, of course, another injury of Nathan Broadhead, which was you know not good to see. Definitely for me with my hot take. Hopefully he's all good. Uh he's got the week now to recover and all that jazz. But yeah, uh Tan had to stay patient.
2: Yeah, they were plugging away, and it just felt I'm trying to think if there are too many similar games. i have had it, I think maybe the second half against West Brom was quite similar in the way that they were just creating chances, and it it wasn't. Quite falling. um The substitutions were fairly interesting as well. So, obviously, Murray Hutchinson came on. um I think it was 22nd minute he ended up getting on the pitch. And it got to the point where you were thinking probably around 70 ish. And it, it was difficult because the players on the pitch had done really well. I was looking you know, and thinking, well, they had not gone and scored lots of goals, but the chances that they were creating. You know, in terms of doing things like player ratings, it was really, really good. And they deserved lots of credit for that. And it was just similar in the first half where they were doing all the right things and probably just lacking that that killer touch to to finish it. And it it really did become frustrating, almost felt like it was maybe going down the route of fizzling out. But as we've said before, the substitutes thing will always play a big, big part. That's what it proved to do once again. Um just having really lively players off the bench isn't it that that can change it and just open up that space that's what they needed because birmingham essentially just tried to sit quite deep they were really good defensively they were a a solid defensive side who also were able to then threaten on the counter the possession stats i think were really dominant in in town's favor checking about midway through the second half town were almost on 60%, not quite the the 80% I know Southampton were had at the same time. But, um, yeah, that was just really how the game was kind of going into those latter stages. They needed something to open it up. That's when you turn to your bench. It's such a big part. Stu's going to cut out a stat very soon. I know he is on substitute goals, things like that. Um, But, yeah, that's roughly how I saw it going into the last kind of 10 minutes or so.
0: And yes, yeah, do Birmingham changed system? Obviously, want to give a big shout out to Tony Mowbray. A really good, you know, reception for him. Um, you know, I think it was five minutes because, of course, he was number five in town. A really good applause around the stadium. Of course, Mark Venus in the dugout, and uh, yeah, they changed their system a little bit, and uh, that maybe switched up McKenna's game plan a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, what a moment that would have been if Ipswich had scored at the end of that oh. minutes applause in the, in the fifth minute. That sort of built and built and built, and then as sometimes happens with, with those moments an attack kind of starts in the last few seconds of it. And you just thought the the roof is going to be absolutely raised if this goes in. And I think Burns um, sent a, a low cross towards the back post and it just got taken off, just nicked off the toes of Kiefer Moore at the back post. That would have been an absolute carbon copy of Ipswich's second goal against Rotherham in mi- midweek. Um, so, yeah, the, the system change in the second half, I think Mark Venus had seen enough of his side sort of getting carved open. We didn't mention the broadhead chance straight after Birmingham scored, which almost retook the lead seconds after going behind straight from kickoff. And he, he did the hard work, didn't he? Jinked, jinked his way down the left side of the box and then and then slammed it into the side netting. I think half the crowd thought that was in early in the second half. I thought that looked, I haven't seen it back again, but my instinct was, I thought Andre dezel got away with one. I thought he was a bit clumsy, just sort of ran, ran into the back of Connor Chaplin in the box as, as a cross came in. Um, Yeah. And then I think it was around that hour mark, um, Vino made a, a triple substitution and they switched more from a sort of a four, two, three, one to a four, one, four, one with um who came on, just sort of sat and protected the back four and, and, played close attentions to Conor to kind of Chaplin. Um, James, the goal scorer, moved inside from the wing. Bakuna came on and, and those two just went man for man on, on Morsi and Luongo. Um, and that just made them a lot more solid. And, and for the next sort of 10, 15 minutes or so, Birmingham looked harder to play through. Uh, they looked like they then also had the odd little, without having many chances in this game there was the odd moment where you thought they could they could strike on the, on the counter with someone of um Stansfield's quality Bakuna looked lively when he came on as well and that's probably the moment that that was the, sort of the pivotal moment where Ipswich which could the crowd could easily have got edgy again the, the the players could have got a bit panicky and tried to force things and start doing things that weren't natural to them but um this is where it's great that there's such a body of work behind Ipswich at the moment that they know they, you know, that if they stick to the process and um, keep doing all the things that that has got them joy in the past, that that eventually it will it will tell. And um, you know that's exactly what happened.
0: It did, and the uh, the boy Jezza, Jeremy Salmiento gets the second goal for Town. Uh, great play here. We we'll get we we'll get on to Axel Twanzebe later. Caught a great sis from him. Uh, He's probably going... How am I in the box? I'm in the bloody box. Great to see. Um, but yeah, AJ, good goal.
2: Yeah, I love this. This was, um, an interesting one in the post-match because I know that Jezza, as Stu pointed out when I mentioned it, Jezza is a normal nickname for Jeremy, but I don't know. Ross was very quick to kind of take on the Jezza nickname. And I know it has at least been picked up somewhere along the line in the dressing room as well. Cause, uh, Amari Hutchinson was referring to him as Jezza as well. So it seems to be now a universal nickname, which I quite like. Um, Yeah, I think that he seems to have had a harder few weeks, hasn't he, after really catching fire in January. And I think maybe Preston was a a bit of a wake-up call for him. It sounds like he wasn't wonderful against Rotherham, albeit that there were a few bright moments there um this is seeing his impact as a substitute once again which was vital it's a lovely work goal isn't it in terms of, I think it's Hutchinson who spots the overlap again decision making I will bang on about until the end of time but it's so much better making sure he doesn't cross he doesn't cut in and shoot he sets Axel Twanzebe up on the overlap we'll get on to him but I mean what on earth <laughs> Axel Twanzebe was going doing there even at the right back I know that you'd probably expect Harry Clark to be there, but times Ever, we, we've not really seen him in those kind of positions from open play before. Um, his, his decision making, again, he doesn't try and loop the cross in. He doesn't try and cut it back and shoot or do anything too fancy. It's to a low ball, spots Sarmiento in the middle. Um, one that first time probably looks like quite an easy finish, like a tap in, but again, split second to think about it, similar way to the Chaplin goal, to be able to turn that in. Um, with such composure, really, really impressive and what Town deserved plugging away and exactly what the substitutes bring as well. Energy, right place, right movement and uh, a really clever, instinctual finish. Yes,
0: dude, you want to add any more to that? Um, as I said, actually, let's talk about Axel Twanzaby quickly. I know this is Saramiento's goal, but uh, Axel Twanzaby comes in at right back, played there a few times already this season, man of match display and uh, all round top performance.
1: Brilliant, yeah. So pleased for him as well because I was I I had a bit of time with him uh, a month or so ago to do to do a feature interview, and um, seems like a really nice guy. We talk about sort of the off-field qualities that all these players bring that you know players that aren't playing very much, Dominic Ball or um, Shawnee Aluko, people like that. Don't underestimate how much, you know, the role they're having to not be sort of bad eggs and sulking and bringing the mood round about the place. Um, And, yeah, I think Axel's been one of those. I'm sure he is itching to play games of football. This is a guy that's not played a lot of of football for his age. I think he's 26 now and and the injuries that he's had have have been cruel. Um, Just as he was starting to get a few games around January time, then George Edmondson comes in and does really well. What, he was probably thinking, well, Cameron Burgess was away at the Asian Cup. That that was the opportunity for him, but it wasn't to be. Um, but now the door is open at right back because of because of all these issues, the whole Brandon Williams saga. Janoy um, Danasian, who you know would have been ideal in in this scenario, Mister Reliable, to call upon. He's he's had problems, groin surgery this season. So Axel Twansebi stepped in, and I think. Maybe a few people would have been a bit nervous about him potentially being the weak link going into this game. Someone that's playing out of position, someone that's a little rusty, someone that had looked very much rusty in the latter stages when when coming on against Rotherham in, in difficult circumstances. But he was exceptional um, offensively and defensively. There was, a, I think, my favourite moment was when um, Siriki Dembele came on uh, for. Birmingham in the second half, a player that we know can be a real tricky winger from his days at Peterborough facing him in, in league one and and Axel kept pace with him and then just, just just bodied him in in the box and uh, took the ball away. Um, I think we've seen some uh, interception stats being shared uh, over the weekend, seven interceptions. uh, So defensively really good. And um, as you say, the, made sure he was up there and contributing to the attack when when a team's sitting deep and difficult to break down then that's where you need your fullbacks to come to the party and and there he was great composure um to pick out his man and and then goes and uh has a has a part to play in the third as well
0: he does um do you want to mention twan zabia as well AJ? Yeah, i want to quickly i think JD, do you know actually uh quote tweeted that the stat it's Hungry yeah. Hippos all over again. And obviously, Axel doesn't want to talk about it anymore, does he, Stu? Because I mean, mm. that's one of the things you mentioned
2: on the pod. But uh, but yeah, take it away, my friend. Yeah, uh, let's bring out some stuff. I had this one ready, so it's nicely lined this all up. They did, did um, quote retweet this one with the Hungry Hippos. It was well a who scored tweet, which was that he made um, seven interceptions in the game, which is record in the championship this season. Um, really impressive. Add to that, he made the most tackles in the game, also seven, and won the most duels uh, with 14. Just so dominant, and that was just fantastic to see, to do that out of position, to do that in a game where I know that, he, again, he, he probably struggled by the sounds of it against Rotherham, and you look back to some of the other games where he hasn't been at his best, the one that probably stands out to me is the Leeds one that I know he, he found quite hard. It's been difficult for him to be dragged into... um. Other games where he's been out of position, was looking maybe at the Wimbledon one, for example, where Amari Hutchinson had to really cut deep to to help him out from a, disp- a defensive point of view as well. So to be kind of posting those numbers, highest numbers of the season in one aspect and, and others where he's really ranking high in terms of the match, it's just really good to see because he's going to be vital in terms of the versatility. And I think I said on the, the midway point predictions, I think. I think he has a a kind of a part to play in this squad just because of the experience that he brings. He's won promotion from this level before. Um, These are the kind of performances that you expect from him, and that's not always going to happen because he is still a little bit rusty. He's not playing regular football. He's playing out position. There's so many different factors that come into it, and it must be quite hard, I'd say, for a defender to come into a Kieran McKenna side like fresh off the back of everything just because of the way that they are quite defensively open and there's a lot of pressure on you but then to put in a display like that against the Birmingham side as well that I think had won two going into this one they've beaten Blackburn and Sunderland which is a little bit weird there's three three teams in a row that have Tony Mowbray connections there um, and then yeah going to, to Ipswich where they were in really good form at that point with those two wins and For him to put in a performance like that i was really really impressed and as you said i'm happy for him as well because he comes across as such a nice guy
1: it's only his 14th start i believe it since the start of 2022 so that shows you how little football he's played he's had this back problem that's that's had issues um so for him to do that given the lack of game time is great i know there's a lot of talk about him being out of position and he is a center back by trade but he made his Premier League debut for, for Man U as, as a right-back, marking the Lexi Sanchez, no less, for, for Arsenal. Um, so he can do it. And um, we saw him play there on New Year's Day at Stoke, and I, th- I thought um, he quite suited that well. Again, that was a game where Stoke went down to 10 and were defending deep, and we saw Axel was a... You know, he's an athlete, isn't he? He's got that ability to, to get up and down that right-hand side. So for, here, for Ipswich to effectively be down to their well, you know, you'd probably describe as fourth choice right back at this moment in time and, and for him to be producing a man-of-the-match performance um, speaks volumes about the sort of uh, the depth of this squad, the togetherness of this squad and, and everyone kind of being ready. Um, it's the guys that play week in, week out that get all the plaudits. But if you if you achieve something as a group and if Ipswich are going to go on and achieve something monumental this season, it is those guys that come in uh, at key moments they might only play, end up with with five starts or less, but you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link and, and Ipswich, which are, as I think Sam Morsey said recently, everyone is on a level here. Everyone feels the same the same value in this squad. It's so vital.
0: Yeah. And shall we now talk about another man of the moment? Um scored a late goal against Rotherham and he now scores the goal to seal the win. Amari Hutchison. Shall we actually hear from Amari about the goal? And all that, and then we'll talk about the goal as a whole, as a trio in a second. So let's hear from good old Amari. Although he's not old, he's, he's young, he's only twenty. But take away Amari.
4: Well before that, Keith told me just because he had a flick on earlier and I didn't really read it. She was like, Oh next one I get, try try read it. And I knew I knew uh, Axel was gonna throw it to him, so I just span inside and went in behind and hoped he got a flick on and it and it paid off. Um and I've been working with granny a lot, just staying composed.
0: Oh, I've clicked off it, let's uh- say. <laughs> me to do that. Amateur sure move there for Roscoe. Let's hear that bit again and the rest of it. Enjoy.
4: Well, before that, Keith told me just because he had a flick on earlier and I didn't really read it. She was like, "Oh, next one I get, try try read it." And I knew I knew uh, Axel was gonna throw it to him, so I just span inside. and went in behind and hoped he got a flick on, and it and it paid off. Um And I've been working with Grani a lot, just staying composed in front of goal in training. Um And yeah, I think previous games at the start of the season, you know, I was kind of. Rushing my rushing my shots and and panicking a bit, um, but yeah, I saw the keeper and I just slowed it. But yeah, I think it's really important for me as well. Get my confidence up. Um, I think I've got good momentum now, um, and it feels like everything's clicking together.
0: See, I just made more sure my hands were away from my mouse because I just I was just moving something along and it was still on the the clip, but it doesn't matter.
2: Have you ever become Burton Albion manager? Oh, See no. it, mate? I know,
0: I know. Things yeah. like that. Although Toto Toto didn't do good for me on the weekend. God, to take Toto. That was a lovely uh, flicked
2: finish. That. Yeah. Was that him? Yeah. can't Yeah, that was, was a
0: lovely
2: goal. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Mario
0: Hutchinson boys. Uh, he has got his confidence up, and um, he has transformed. Stu, we mentioned on the pod um, in midweek after the Rotherham game. We gave him a lot of plaudits, um, but his decision making is improving. He's got another goal. He's sick for the season.
1: Yeah, that's nice insight there from him, wasn't it, in terms of um, learning on the pitch, sort of speaking to Kiefer Moore and reading that flick on. It comes from a, an axle throwing up up the line that Kiefer um, wins. And uh, he, he gambled. And, and away he raced. A lot of time to overthink that one, um, but just coolly coolly slotted home. Um Second time in in a matter of days that he scored in in stoppage time, and that's six goals for him now this season um, from fourteen starts and twenty four substitute appearances. And um, we've said it so many times on this podcast. His, we've seen him develop and blossom in front of our eyes from preseason onwards. The decision making is is the biggest part of it. Um, so yeah, with, there's a conversation now starting to grow around how far this young man can can go in the game and what what his career is going to look like from here.
0: Yeah, AJ, you gave him a lot of praise when he first signed. You were excited yeah. with all the the flicks, the tricks, and all that. Um, but he's he's more than that, isn't he? And uh, yeah, Chelsea, I'm sure they're very happy with what he's doing at Town in the Italian Championship. And um, yeah, he's adding goals, he's
2: adding assists, and he's just
0: he's just such great fun to watch, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he was so raw when he came in. I remember watching his debut. I think it was the Cambridge game he made his debut, and you could see that there was so much about him, but he really needed to essentially turn from what looked a little bit like um, a street YouTube-style footballer into someone that can compete in the championship. That's really, really hard to do. And you could see that that development was coming, but especially in pre-season, I think pre-season was really important for him. Um, the moment that stands out for me was the Leipzig game where I think he could bury it really late on and he ends up doing a weird flick when he's played straight through on goal was a really frustrating moment and I think from then things started to click into place a little bit more and when you're working under someone like Kieran McKenna who has a good track record with youth and and turning players that are quite raw into top talents then that's kind of what you expect and we've seen that Um, Over the course of the season, culminating probably in February, essentially, um, had an interesting game against Maidstone where he was doing a lot without the end product, a difficult cameo against Preston where he couldn't turn it around. Since then, goal against... West Brom off the bench, assist against Millwall from a start, assist against Swansea from a start, goal against Rotherham off the bench and goal Mm. against Birmingham off the bench. He has started nine games this season and he has nine goal contributions, five goals, four assists in just over a thousand minutes. Um, To have that kind of impact from any player at all, I think is really, really impressive. But to have that someone in his first loan, someone that's only just really started playing men's senior football um, yeah, really, really impressive. And you can see it's more than just what he offers on the pitch as well, because when you talk to him, a lot of young players are quite shy. They don't really have that kind of personal connection that you feel like you might need in the town squads to, to really settle in. And, you know, how everyone says, are we, you know, settling into the squads a given because it's so easy. Um, you talk to him then, and he's so much more than just kind of that young Premier League star out on this first loan to get experience. And I think that's A, because of who he is and how good he is as a player and as a person, and B, also just because of the work that Kieran McKenna's done with him to develop him in such a short space of time. Um, Yeah, really, really impressive. And I think it might sound a bit strange, but I think that preseason in particular was just so important for him to have that run of games in the squad before then coming into the Championship. And you could see the improvement in just those few weeks.
1: The thing I liked about his performance the best, I think, was actually the moments before his goal was after Ipswich went 2-1 up. And uh, it was around 89, 90 minutes. He has two moments where one where goalkeeper tries to pass Birmingham, try and pass out towards the left-hand side. And Hutchinson is busts a gut to get out there and, and slides in to intercept the ball and uh, force a throw in and stop Birmingham playing out from the back. That got a huge roar. Then there was a moment few seconds later where he, he charged down Ethan Laird down by the corner flag and stopped them playing out from the back. So it's his off-the-ball work that, you know, impresses me. The, these kind of tricky wingers produced by Premier League academies are a little bit ten a penny. Um, it's the, you know, it's the sexy position that everyone wants to play. And then sometimes you see them come on loan for their first senior loan and there's some steep learning curves. Um but with him, he's doing he's doing the off-the-ball stuff as well. And we heard from day one that Kieran McKenna said that was one of his first conversations with him. It wasn't about what he could do on the ball. That's granted. We know we can see all of that. But I can see that you've got the dynamic qualities to be world-class off-the-ball as well in terms of his acceleration, in terms of his work rate, all that sort of stuff. So if he can combine those two, um, the sky's the limit. Obviously, it's, it's really difficult kind of breaking in at somewhere like Chelsea. Um, I don't know if, if, if Ipswich got a chance of getting him back next season. Does it depend on them going up? I don't know. Um, he's probably not going to get in Chelsea's team yet. So if, Ipswich, if Chelsea are probably not going to sell him yet. So if it's going to be another loan, well, you know what you're going to get with Ipswich. So this could be one of those kind of just loaning back to where he's, where he's come from, continuous development under, under Kieran McKenna. Um, because... You know he's in he's in the most capable hands at the moment. We'll, we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, because Chelsea will spend fifteen hundred million on another winger anyway. So it's like, yeah, but we shall see what happens with Amari. But uh, yeah, great to see. And obviously he's the the second sub to score in this game, and that is the next stats Stu. And uh, you were asked that to McKenna, and uh, that's one of his favourite stats, isn't it, my friends? So let's hear about McKenna on the subs, Super subs.
1: Two more goals from subs. On my
3: reckon I think that's 20 out of your 80 goals this season, quarter of them coming from substitutes. That's uh, quite a stat. Yeah, a wonderful stat. One of my favourites, I have to say, because we had it last year as well, a similar stat, and I think it, it reflects, as I said before, reflects so well on, on so many things. Um, but the primary thing I think it reflects well on is, again, the culture in the group for you know everyone in that squad, full commitment to the team, ready to... Player whenever required and um, substitutes who are fully engaged in the game and ready to come on and um, fully understanding the roles within the system and also understanding the the state of the game and what's required. And, um, you know, I think those things reflect really, really well when you score as many goals as we have off the bench. And we've done it for a a good period of time now.
0: Yeah. As uh, McKenna said, Stu, um, we had it last season and it's gone on to this season and, uh, that's why you should never sulk when you're on the bench because you're guaranteed to come on and you'll make an impact because we've seen that. Marcus, Marcus Harness against Birmingham in the reverse fixture. He came off the bench and scored two and got the point for us. But uh, that is one very good stat indeed.
1: Yeah. Do you want do you want the 20 goals? I've got them here in front of me. Oof. I frantically wrote That's them out. down because um, you've got the main stats there. But it's a Luco v Bristol Rovers in the cup. Jackson v Stoke. Ladapo twice v Cardiff. Uh, Brandon Williams v Huddersfield. Jackson v Preston. Harness v Plymouth. Baggett v Fulham in the Cup. Harness twice against Birmingham. Jack Taylor at Rotherham. Hutchinson at Middlesbrough to seal that win. Uh, Sarmiento v Leicester. Kiefer Moore twice at Preston on his debut. And then we're on to these recent ones. Hutchinson v West Brom. Alhammedy's penalty penalty against Millwall. And then Hutchinson, Rotherham. Sarmiento Birmingham. And Hutchinson, Birmingham. So 20 goals. Um as said there in the clip, quarter of them from substitutes is uh, really quite something.
0: Yeah, and to think we've scored 80 goals, Towns have scored 80 goals this season as a whole is just madness, which is great. We'll, we'll get 100 goals easy, I'm sure. But yeah, AJ, bring you in, my friend. As I said, you can be on the subs bench, but you're guaranteed to come on at some stage and yeah, 20 goals out of those 80, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's um, a big thing now, isn't it? It's coming into football. I remember... The rugby analogy has been used quite a bit. I I remember talking, I was doing the Millwall stuff, I spoke to Gary Rowan, he was very clear on the idea of having starters and finishers, and I feel like Ipswich have taken that to the next level. I've had that mentioned a few times in terms of as well, you call them substitutes and kind of backups, but they're not that at all, and the starters and finishers idea probably applies more to football now, doesn't it? And um, especially to Ipswich. I think at this point of the season in particular, it's really important because you've got a lot of travel at the moment, a lot of games. Not only can you kind of change things around in terms of the squad, for example, Wes Burns drops out, Mari Hutchinson comes in, there's no drop-off in levels. Sarmiento comes in, Ali Alhamadi comes in. You wouldn't expect that much change either. And that's fantastic. But also teams are tired. (laughs) We're, We're... I mean, we feel tired, I'd say, just because there's been so many games. Imagine doing all the travel and and then playing the games. It must be really, really hard. And you think about a team like Birmingham, who've played a lot recently, had those two big wins. They put a lot in to get them. Then they get into the 70th minute at 1-1. They fought really, really hard to get to 1-1. And you're tired. They must be really shattered. And then to have that, you've done incredibly well to try and mark players like Amari hutchinson who obviously came on wes burns when he was on the pitch Connor chaplin it must be a nightmare on earth to try and mark key for more players like that you've worked yourself into the ground trying to do that and then you've got these lively players who come on hutchinson as we've seen in the other games and yeah in the birmingham one as well and then Sarmiento, who offers so much and the way that he runs at you the energy the intensity that they bring um that's the biggest thing, I'd say, at the moment, and it's going to be a really big thing between now and the end of the season. I think you're going to see it more and more because the schedule is only getting busier. Um March and April are, are really hectic months, both for town and, and for everyone else. And you're going to have tired defenders, tired legs, teams that are travelling lots. And when you have these subs that can come on and know that they can make an impact, especially against kind of these defenders that work really hard to, to try and stop, as we've seen a, a front four. The which have the, you'd say are one of the best in the league and their goal output, I think second most goals in the league at the moment, things like that um, that's where you're really going to see the substitutes shine, they're going to find the space to work and, and they're going to really enjoy playing in these games, I think you're only going to see it more and more in the next few weeks up until the end of the season
0: I know I've done what I've done, if you watched on video I was talking he's on mute Oh dear! That's why sometimes I'm, I'm just I'm a bit of a I'm all over the place. But um I've actually been asked a quick question. Um Someone just messaged me, and I thought that we're going to go back to Amari Hutchinson quickly, Stu. And um, how much would it cost to sign him permanently? That is the the big big question. Hundred hundred
1: you know question. Hundred and one question. Hundred million dollar question. Yeah, yeah, maybe saying? not. Maybe not quite that much, but um, no, no. a fair chunk of money. Uh, I would imagine um, beyond Ipswich's reach. I, I, you know, we're talking about them having lots of money behind them in terms of the American ownership, but that means nothing when there's FFP restrictions and Ipswich. Mm. Um, you know, I think there were some frustrations in the last transfer window about how much they wanted to spend and how much they actually could spend. So yeah i think he would he would be out of reach that would require i think for any chance for that to happen permanently would require promotion and and all the tv money and everything that comes with it um maybe another loan but with a with an option to buy at the end of it or something like that um but I, yeah i really don't know in this this current market what what would his valuation be he's not got enough of a body of work behind him for for mega mega money but i think it enough to probably price him out of Ipswich's is reach at the moment any any do you want anyone put a figure on it what do you reckon oh well, he's contracted
0: until 2025 at chelsea but i'm sure they've got clauses and options and stuff as well included on that um if you want we i use i'm sure a lot of people other people use transfer market um and they put three million as his his market value but yeah, that's that's a bit short. Um, yeah, I don't know. AJ, you got a number in
2: your head? Um, the market's so skewed at the moment, isn't it? Because you can have players like you go with very little experience behind them, very little senior experience that will go for for huge money. And also, he comes into a club having played in Premier League academies and, and now having impressed on loan. I think that's maybe the thing that would drive it up you're not signing a total unknown quantity who's unproven at at senior level this is someone now who yeah fine it's only a season it's only nine starts but who's shown that he can do it at, at men's level albeit in the championship so in terms of signing him permanently wow you'd be into double digits in terms of millions I'd say to be perfectly honest. Um, Uh, you want me to whack a figure on it? I'll go 15, I think. Something like that. Just in terms of what his ceiling will be, in terms of the fact that Chelsea's academy is what it is, sure, it might be hard to break through. And, you know, it would hurt to say, but there's there's every chance that it doesn't happen there just because, I mean, Chelsea as well, farm out so many young players every single season. Mm -hmm. There's that running joke, they have about like 50 players out on loan every year, don't they? So it depends on how they view him as well with someone like Pochettino or whoever comes in there next when that inevitably happens do they want to keep him around for pre-season things like that um but yeah tricky one the contract one's actually an interesting bit as well but you'd imagine that if Chelsea put down a, a long-term deal as they like to do signing players on to like 2079 or whatever um then I, I wouldn't be He wouldn't really sniff at it, would he, to to tie his future down to one of the biggest clubs in Europe?
1: He's he's certainly not lacking ambition. He's quietly spoken, but he's confident. He did a press conference with us, didn't he, a few weeks back, Alex, and um, just casually dropped in there that, you know, I want to be one of the world's best players. And um, I think he's got that belief in him. So I think he'll try and stay a club like Chelsea as long as possible I think Chelsea paid something like five million pounds in a tribunal fee to get him from Arsenal as a young lad so that gives you the the idea of the sort of figures that that you're dealing with so um yeah it's a little bit different I know people are sort of saying oh it's you know don't fall in love with a lone player and um it's not impossible that Ipswich get to certainly Sarmiento I think there's a there's a Uh, Something in there that I think they referenced that when they signed Sarmiento that there's potential to buy. Um, At the end of that loan, Hutchinson might be a little bit more difficult, but not completely impossible. Same with Kiefer Moore, not completely out of the realms that that Ipswich can can keep him. So uh, we've obviously seen it already with George Hurst turning a loan permanent. So I think it's a bit different to go back sort of 10 years or so when people like... um, Ryan Fraser and Tom Lawrence were the, the standout star quality borrowed from clubs higher up the pyramid. And you just knew there was absolutely no chance of signing them. Um, I think they're using the loan market really well. They didn't barely touch it in League One because they didn't think that was the right thing to do. When you get in the championship, I think it's a necessary evil to get that that higher level of quality that you couldn't necessarily uh, afford to, to sign players permanently. So, yeah, they've... Uh, They've used it really well this season haven't they with the uh,
2: with the players that have come in. I think the Don't fall in love with a lone player ones quite interesting as well because I think regardless of what happens as well with Amari if he has that big future, he goes on and plays at the top level, becomes one of the best players in the world, Champions League, whatever he, you know, whatever his future has and oh, I think that there will always be that part of Ipswich fans say, "Ah, oh, I remember his involvement in our amazing season. I love the fact that he's playing at the top. I love the fact that we were the springboard to have him go back to Chelsea and become a starter or have another loan in the Premier League, or something like that. I think that that would be a really nice feeling. I mean, one of the things you have at, at Millwall was that was one of Harry Kane's. First clubs as well, and I think that they've got that kind of feeling there as well. Even though he hardly really played for them, and you, you kind of look on and think, "Wow, there's a player there who's, who's breaking all sorts of records, playing for Bayern Munich, playing for Tottenham, playing for England." Who's we we watched him? We were part of his development. I he think hasn't that won a trophy, though, company. has he? No, <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> I like the stats that that all these Liverpool youngsters who are doing their GCSEs have won more trophies, but still. Um, I think that there's always that kind of part of it as well. You know, don't fall in love with a lone player. I get it. But I think that the fact that Town could play a big part in a player's development in, in terms of that, having that future towards the top of the game, hopefully, um, that's really exciting as well. So, yeah, don't fall in love. But I, I think that there is also that part that we all want to see him reach the, the top and to play a part in what will hopefully be a, a really fantastic career.
1: Football's so transient now anyway, isn't it? Like, is it that much difference between a lone player that you could get on two back to back loans is no different to someone like, you know, Leif Davis has been here for two seasons and could go in in the summer if Ipswich don't go up, you know, realistically. The amount of time that play if players are really good and you're not one of the the big boys in the Premier League, you're always gonna be in danger of, of losing them. So it's like that with every player, isn't it? Enjoy them while they can, while they're hot. And you'd rather have it like that than, than not, wouldn't you? So, um, yeah, obviously now the, the, the downside to the weekend is is the two muscle injuries we've, we've mentioned and Wes Burns coming off and uh, Broadhead as well. That was a, a calf and thigh strain, um, respectively. We'll find out a bit more later in the week how, how bad they are. Um, but we talked about these guys being... Being super subs and being finishers and making the difference, you know, now you get to really see uh whether they're ready to to do this from the start. I think Hutchinson has proven that he is capable and ready to do that because he's done it a few times this season. Sarmiento less so. I'd say his his two starts have been a bit more underwhelming, that he's still kind of on that early stages of that journey and knowing when to play and when not to play and be a bit more disciplined. So um yeah, fingers fingers crossed um, it's not too bad with with Burns and Broadhead.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Obviously, no midweek game this week, so nice time to turn the rest. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Wazza, who uh, asked that question, by the way. So, if you have been waiting, Wazza, for me to give you a shout-out, here you are, because I bet you've been screaming, like, that's my question, where's my name? But Wazza, thanks for that, and a uh, nice little added-on little bit. But um, any other business from the game, boys? Um, another good crowd. I know we mention this every week, but 29,000 once again. In Portman Road, but anything else you want to mention from the game, AJ
2: Stu? I enjoyed it. (laughs) I I said it at the start. Like there are some games where you go in and you you come out and you think, "Wow, I really enjoyed that game. Really enjoyed watching it." Um, That was one of them. That was like one of those kind of, I said those those games that we had at Portman Road around kind of October, November time, where you just go, "I think that's a really good performance." I feel really confident, really buoyed by it, and yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: a few people asking about, about yellow cards. It's probably worth worth yes. um, rounding that up. Um, both Morsi and Luongo booked in this game. Um, the cut-off point for 10 bookings, which Sam's obviously already gone past, but the cut-off point for that is the Cardiff game. So there's three more games. Uh, Massimo is now on eight. So he's got to get through the next three games without getting two bookings. Otherwise, that'll be a two-game ban for him. Um, Sam is now on... Twelve, um, and if he gets to fifteen, and there's no cutoff point for that, that will be a three game ban. I think it's one one game for five, two for ten, and it will be a three game ban for fifteen. So he's only three away from that, with twelve games of the season left to go. So that that's fairly perilous. So um, I know we're talking about the the depth of Ipswich's squad, but that could get tested to the full. And it only takes, as we saw over the Christmas period with the QPR game you can get by with maybe one or, or two players. But if you start getting towards three or four, I think Southampton are finding that at the moment. No coincidence that they've been without Flynn Downs during their their recent um, sort of dodgy patch, three defeats from, from 12. And now Ryan Fraser limped off at the weekend. And um, that can change the whole dynamic around you, especially if you're talking about players of kind of Sam Morsi's calibre. So fingers, fingers crossed
2: um, they can manage that situation okay over the next few games. It's worth mentioning as well. I think with the Maudsie one, my understanding of what I read this morning is I think that carries on till the end of the regular season. So I think I need to double check if it's whether the suspension would drag on if he got 15 before. I think that might come into it. But for example, if he got 14 the season ended and he picked up another one in the playoffs, Mm. it wouldn't count for say the rest of it. But if he got his
1: 15th on the final day, I'd need to double check. But
2: I think there's a good chance that that would then drag into it. Because huh. I don't think realistically that you could say if a player got a red card on the final day of the season, I don't think that they'd just be magically able to appear for the playoff game mm-hmm. next week. So I need to double check on that. But I think that's how it would work. It's just going to be a case of making sure that he's um, on 15 or fewer by the final game by Huddersfield in was it early May, I think. And then... Well, hopefully it won't be a conversation for town anyway. Yeah, let's, let's just hope. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's not a battle that have to be. Tra-
1: in. Travis on eight as well. Mm. Oh yeah, You've got quite absolutely. a few for Blackburn. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay then. Interesting.
0: Yeah, Dane. Shout out to Dane, I have a listener who uh, messaged me over the weekend and want us to discuss that. So that's what we've done. Uh, we've had seventy nine yellow cards, boys. The the third highest in the league. We haven't had a red card. We're one of three teams. I just went and West Brom haven't had a red card, which is good. I think town. Under McKenna, anyway, we only had last year. We only had two. One was in the league. Harry Clark falling down the season, and of course Carl Edwards nonsense red card at Cambridge. AJ Cambridge should have been a red card, but um, very good indeed. Um, well, we've spoken good hour, boys, on that. Uh, but we're going to have a little round up of the championship, and we've got a nice little clip here from Mario Hutchson on uh when he got told about a certain score about Southampton. Let's see what he had to say.
4: What was the score? They
2: lost two one. Well.
4: nice (laughs) Nice. Nice. that's what we like
0: to hear and that is what we like to hear indeed boys because yep Southampton lost of course Leeds beat Leicester but Town are now got the same points as Leeds and um it's looking very very interesting for top two again for Town um Championship Roundup Boys, what, what sort of stood out from you? AJ, I know you you look at a lot. Obviously, we do as well, but you're the one who lets us know about things most of the time. But uh very interesting weekend in the championship.
2: Yeah, that annoying person that pops up in the group chat, like with every single major piece of championship news I can find on Twitter. Um that was the big one from talent's perspective, wasn't it? And the other one you'd have to say was the Friday night game, the Leeds Leicester one where realistically I think the hope was a, a draw probably would have been okay, but um, with Leeds winning it, that was always going to be a, a bit of a, a frustration just because, well, there's two different sides to it. It means that, well, if if it stayed the same, because Leeds were 1-0 down up until the 80th minute, that Town would have been able to have gone back into second, would have had a three-point gap on Leeds, which you would have said really would have been a, a huge boost going into these next few games. Um wasn't to be three quick-fire goals in the final 10 to make it 3-1. Yeah, there is that kind of frustration of not being able to catch um, leads at the moment, but it drags Leicester back into it. And I've been very strong on my Leicester stance, saying they're not going to win the league, they're not going to win the league. They've got a tough run of games as well, so I think that they could absolutely get dragged back into this fight. I don't think that it's done and dusted at all, but as well as that, there's all this kind of maybe external media talk you can sometimes get of who's going to go up is it going to be who's going to get the automatic promotion spaces is it going to be um leicester leeds or southampton and it sometimes feels like town get left out of that a little bit and this was the weekend where all the hype kind of goes around leeds and you're thinking same points tally 72 each which is ridiculous so Anyone who's thinking that Ipswich Town are not in this automatic promotion fight simply is, is wrong. Absolutely. Um, look, Whether they'll do it or not, I'll just, we'll have to wait to see. But they're absolutely in this fight. And regardless of what happens as well, we'll I'm sure we'll get onto in a second, the points total have been absolutely... Unbelievable to get 72 points from 34 games. I think I tweeted over the weekend that Sheffield United, who went up automatically last season, had 64 at this point in the season. So these are two teams, or sorry, these are four teams overall um, that would be really, if they were in the championship last season, would be challenging Burnley uh, for what they were doing, which was an unbelievable run. So just incredible. Outside of that, yeah, there's a few interesting Bits and pieces. Um, Millwall's come back again, won't well, come back, but toppling Southampton was definitely uh, one of the standout bits, as I mentioned. And from there, when you look at the playoff picture as well, that's quite tight because obviously you have to keep an eye on that. You have to look down and think if town were to finish outside of the top two, what would they be looking at? Uh, Norwich is the one that I think probably there's some fears creeping in there that it could be a third versus sixth kind of switcheroo from, I think, it what was it, 14, 15? When, yeah. when that happened. Um, then you're looking at the moment, it really looks like a battle with um, Hull and West Brom in there and Preston in good form. So it'd be interesting to see who comes into that. But As I said, hopefully it won't be a battle that Town are involved in. The other one I'll quickly raise as well, Plymouth Argyle, very interesting because they've been in a pretty poor run of form. Um, obviously Town's next opponents. And then they just went to Middlesbrough and won 2-0. So you know what, fair enough. Um, and it, it's also quite crazy to look at it and think. 15th on 40 points. They were a team that put like a really strong run of form together. Any of those kind of teams in that batch could get into it. So it's a tight league up until when you kind of get those top four and um, Town have put themselves in a really good position above Southampton and, and the other teams below.
0: Yeah, absolute bonkers league. A great league. Best league in the world, in my opinion, the Championship. And Stu, uh, we broke record last year with all the points titles with, you know, which Plymouth and for Wednesday this year. 72 points, mate. Um. Yeah, you'd be pretty much promoted at this stage, really, if you think about it in previous years. But, yeah, the table looking very interesting. The points totals are just mad.
2: Yeah,
1: most by a newly promoted side. In a long, long time, you go back to the uh, Norwich and Southampton got back-to-back promotions, didn't they, in um, 2011, 2012. Norwich got 84, Southampton got 88 that season. So those totals are very gettable for a bit of context for kind of recent Ipswich town history that the season they finished sixth under Mick McCarthy got 78 points. So two more wins to match that. Um, The season they won the title under John Lyle, 91, 92, they got 84 points. So four more wins will match that. Um, And the promotion season of 2000 was 87 points. So five more wins from the final 12 will match that. So, um, you, you would think that those are, are very gettable given uh, the, the way that Ipswich are going at the moment. And I think that probably the most impressive stat when I look at that championship table at the moment is is still four league defeats, um, which is two fewer than anyone else. Obviously now with, with Leicester losing to Leeds at the weekend, both of those have lost six games. Um, Southampton have lost seven games and Ipswich are just on four. So um, whether Ipswich get in the top two or not, Remains to be seen, but they don't lose many games. And if it is to be the playoffs, uh, that should give plenty of belief, I think, uh, going into any kind of two-legged game.
0: Yeah, indeed. Oh, what a season it's been. Enjoy, continue enjoy the ride, ladies and gentlemen. What a roller coaster season. It's been so fun. It's so exciting. And as I said, it's the the hot ticket at the moment. Uh, go to Portland Road, even away games. Obviously, we've got a few... Some big uh, long trips ahead of us with Plymouth and Cardiff City. Um, But, boys, I want to quickly mention, um, of course, it was her game two weekend, which was a a massive success. Obviously, uh, at the men's game, a lot lot of things going on. And also, the Tractor Girls played on the Sunday and they won as well, which is good to see. So, both teams winning. They beat Rugby Borough four goals to one. And also, Super Subs had to score as well. Lena Gunnar-Williams came off the bench, scored two. And Elki Bowyer also came off the bench and scored. So it's sort of like linked up perfectly in a transition there. So, um, yeah, good win for Joe Sheehan's side. And um, as a whole, big shout out to Maddie Reader, who's the ambassador for Richard's Town for her game two. And um, it sounded like a very good weekend as a whole, which was good to see. Um, but, yeah, boys, any other business... Um, for the podcast and um, as a whole for the weekend. As I said, no midweek game. So, time to rest for us, time to rest for the boys, time to rest for town fans as well, getting ready for some big, big away games.
1: No rest for you two. Incorrect. All hands to the pump with Mr Heath yeah. away. Um, but no, good good for um, good for Ipswich, I think, to have no, no midweek game. Um, and we can watch on now with interest as Leicester... Leeds and Southampton all have away games in the FA Cup against Premier League opposition this week. Um, Leicester go to Bournemouth tomorrow night um, and then Southampton are at Liverpool on Wednesday and Leeds are at Chelsea. So um, Russell Martin, I think, said that it's a game that his team could do without, given the injuries and the form that they're in at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think we can all sit back and hope those games Go the distance and are quite grueling matches, and um, you know uh, it can put their feet up a little bit and, and get themselves ready for the trip to Plymouth.
0: Indeed, uh, AJ, anything from you to end the podcast? As uh, Stu said, we're going to be going to be works really hard this week, so uh, get ready for that.
2: Yeah, I and mean, that's why I, I needed that week off last week. You see, and there was I got reacquainted with an old friend in a way because I went down to kent with my girlfriend went down to kind of the Broadstairs area i think it's called bannett um ended up on the way back we came through canterbury In canterbury they have the beanie museum go around there they've got lots of kind of old tv bits and one of them was this kind of slightly strange in this museum slightly strange wooden horse and on the wooden horse there was a football scarf and the football scarf was this for those who can't see, it was a Maidstone United scarf, and it was kind of like one of those um, one of those flashback moments like when, when you have someone who's been in the war and they're like, the <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that. Uh, seeing the scarf on this horse and thinking back to said FA Cup game that we will now never mention ever again. But a little insight into what I've been doing on my holiday.
1: <laughs> good luck to them as well. Actually, I think we'll all be cheering on Maidstone, won't we? Oh yeah,
2: that's tonight. Absolutely, they're commentary tonight, aren't they? So that, yeah, you know what? That there is kind of that trauma-based element when I saw that horse. But um, absolutely, I think that we'll all be kind of backing them, and it'll be really good to see them get. Well, if they could get deeper into this competition, it would be uh, absolutely amazing, wouldn't it?
0: That'd be good to see. Unfortunately, we were part of that run. But all the best to Mainstone and all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, boys, another great podcast in the books. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Now it's time to do the outro of all outros. Uh, I've got a few things to plug, obviously. Manscaped. Use the code KOWAY to get 20% off and free delivery for your best grooming you can get, to be fair, If your nose, your ears, your beard, your you know, crown jewels and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, check it out. Music code KOA, as I said. I've also got another flash sale. Um, so if you want to sign up and get all our exclusive content, there's a new one, another another one. It's two pound for two months. Offer ends the fourth of March. Sign up. You can see our faces if you're listening on, you know, on your run or on your drive to work. But if you want to sit down with a, with a nice tea or something and want to see our faces, you can get the subscriber-only video of this podcast and all the other bits and bobs. So, uh, yeah, sign up and and support us and all the content we'll be bringing you. And um, as well, follow us on all our socials, on Kings of Anglia, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and also Instagram. And AJ has got us on TikTok. I haven't gone on there yet, but I'm sure it's great. So check it out. I'm sure AJ's doing a great job. And, uh, yeah, we'll be... for all the other bits and bobs throughout the week some great content coming your way so uh, enjoy your week and thanks again for listening to another Kings of Anglia podcast
1: bye for now